Chapter 10 Holly Street, Patrick said, reading the street sign. Which way? Following Mr. Summerlin's directions, I replied this way. Better not get us lost, Patrick said, and don't say nothing about us being over here to my daddy or mama. How come? You know why, Gabriel. It's the other side. Don't your mama and daddy teach you? Mama says white, colored, or whatever on the inside, we're all human beings. But can't nobody see our insides, Gabriel, only the outsides. He paused, then asked, wonder what insides look like anyhow. You sure have an interesting way of looking at things, I told him. Patrick shrugged and smiled. The sign on the house said 127. It was white with gray trim and a yellow door. Two cars were parked in the driveway. Both had their hoods popped and one was jacked up. Suddenly, a girl jumped up from behind a tall hedge that was covered in blue morning glory flowers, nearly scaring the life out of me, and I flinched. What are you looking for, she asked. She was colored with braided hair and looked like 10 years old. For someone her age, she had a big voice, I said. I said, what are you looking for, scaredy cat? This where Mr. Merriweather Hunter lives, I inquired. Why do you want to know? Patrick tugged at my shirt. Let's go. Suddenly, I heard noises from underneath one of the cars, and the man, man's voice called out, Abigail, huh? She replied. Who are you fussing at? The man asked. These two white boys, that's who, a tall one and a short one, and the tall one's a scaredy cat. Sounds of tools clanking were followed by the commotion of him getting out from under the car. He stood up, and as soon as he saw me, a smile brightened his face. Gabriel! Mr. Merriweather Hunter said, fine day to be alive, isn't it? I grinned and nodded. Patrick tugged on my shirt again. That him? That's him. Merriweather Hunter grabbed a rag, wiped his greasy hands, and strode toward us. The girl hurried to his side and took his hand and asked, you know them, Daddy? Just the taller boy, Abigail. He's the one who almost got hit by that car yesterday. Oh, her attention turned to me. Better be glad my daddy was there when you were acting a plum fool on that bicycle. Patrick chuckled at that, and an embarrassed look pasted itself on the face of Mr. Merriweather Hunter. Plum fool, Abigail repeated. That's enough now, he scolded. Gabriel is his name. He reached out his hand. I extended mine, and we shook. Hi, Mr. Hunter, I said. Wasn't hardly expecting to see you so soon, he said, then glanced at Patrick. Your friends here got a name? I'm Patrick, Patrick Kelly, he replied. Mr. Merriweather Hunter reached out to shake his hand. Patrick glanced at me like he needed to answer a question. I glared at him and jabbed him with my elbow. Finally, Patrick shook his, took his hand and they shook. Pleased to meet you, son. Very pleased indeed, Merriweather told him. Thank you, uncle, Patrick replied. This was what plenty of white people in Birdsong did. Instead of calling grown-up colored people by their names, they called men uncle and women auntie. Or regardless of how old they were, colored men were called boys and women called girls. But my mama and daddy had taught me differently. Every adult, white or colored, unless I had been given permission to call them by their first names, was Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. The Haberlands are different. I heard some folks say about my parents. All that time spent up there in that northern college must have caused it. 
Neither one's been quite the same since. Folks around town had made it sound like northern ways were a contagious disease that both my parents had caught. My parents had gone to Oberlin College in Ohio, married as soon as they'd graduated and head back to, headed back to Carolina and settled in daddy's hometown in Birdsong. Meriwether gestured toward his daughter. This my girl, Abigail. Greetings were spoken, but I could tell Patrick and Abigail were both leery. Well, unless y'all got some good reason to stand out here on the sidewalk, come on inside, he beckoned, and then stared up the sky. Clouds beginning to scatter, gonna be a scorcher when they do. Y'all are welcome to have a glass of cold lemonade. We trailed him up to the path to his porch. Patrick nudged me and whispered, don't tell my mama, promise? Promise. The screen door opened and we were ushered inside where a pretty colored lady wearing a white apron and a pink and white checkered dress greeted us. This is my wife, Mrs. Hunter. Phoebe, this is the boy that had the bicycle accident yesterday. Abigail giggled, the plum fool. Mrs. Hunter frowned and placed her hand on Abigail's shoulder. What I teach you about saying things that might hurt other people's feelings? Not to, she replied. And if you go and forget that, I should beg pardon. Mrs. Hunter rested her hands on her hips and waited. Somehow, Abigail's apology came out sounding like an insult. Sorry for calling you a plum fool like my daddy did yesterday. There was a brief silence followed by Abigail informing me. Well, now you're supposed to say that you accept my apology. I accept. Mrs. Hunter took two glasses out of the refrigerator and poured the lemonade. Keeps it colder this way. Thank you, ma'am, I said. Thank you, Annie, Patrick told her. I sipped and studied the house. Nice place you have here, I commented. Oh, we're just renting, but it's my dream to have a house of our own someday, Mr. Hunter replied. Abigail turned to me. I'm not trying to be rude, but can I ask you a question, she blurted. Ask. Why'd you come over here? I'd almost forgotten. I turned to Mr. Hunter. Are you still looking for a job, sir? Yes, sirree. Been looking for a real job ever since I got back. His wife interrupted him. Not now, was all she said. They held on each other's eyes for a while before he continued. I, I sure am. Right now, I grab a little work here, and there's fixing some of the neighbor's car and other odd jobs. Then you ought to come work for my daddy. And what makes you say that, he asked. Because I owe you for saving my life. At least that's what I was told. Meriwether shook his head. You don't owe me nothing, son. Sure I do. Plus, one of his mechanics quit Saturday. Just ran off to be near his lady friend, and my daddy's been belly aching about it. And like your sign claims, you're good at fixing things. You know the place. Everyone does. It's called Jake's. Jake's, the gas station? One with the garage and the car lot? I nodded. He'll give you a job, I promise. His eyes flickered with doubt. You sure about that, Mr. Gabriel? As sure as can be, I said confidently. Some of the uncertainty, uncertainty disappeared from Meriwether's face. Well, I suppose it's a fine way to repay a small favor. Thank you, Gabriel. You're welcome, but you're wrong about one thing. What's that? Fixing a bicycle is a small favor, but saving a life is the biggest favor of all, I informed him. Those are mighty wide, wise words coming from someone your age, he commented. Twelve. I turned twelve yesterday. Twelve in some places, that's practically a man. Practically a man, I stood up straighter. I puffed out my chest and beamed. 
And the bicycle was your present, he asked? Yes, sir. Well, then, isn't that something? Meriwether patted my shoulder in that fatherly way. Happy birthday, Gabriel. Happy birthday, Gabriel, Mrs. Hunter added. Abigail finally smiled at me. Happy birthday for a third time. Thank you. Folks ever call you Gabe, Mr. Hunter asked. No, sir, not even my mama and daddy. Can I say why neither? Can't say why neither. Abigail chimed in. My name means a father's delight, in case you were wondering. And most folks never call me Abby neither. But sometimes mama and my daddy's friend call him Mary, and he doesn't mind when they do. Sometimes people call me Pat, but mostly I don't like it because it sounds like a girl's name, Patrick said. To me, right then, the hunters stopped feeling like new clothes and instead felt like clothes that I'd had a while, comfortable, like I'd known them a spell. And by the time we finished our lemonade, Mr. Merriweather Hunter had decided to skip his lunch and come with me to Daddy's. Can I please go too, Abigail begged. I want to see where you're going to work. Not today, Merriweather replied. And Phoebe, this might be just what we've been waiting on. Say a prayer, you hear? I hear, she replied. Thank you for the lemonade, Mrs. Hunter, I told her. Thank you, Annie, added Patrick. And that was how we left them. Mr. Mrs. Hunter standing on the front porch in her pink and white dress, Abigail at her side waving. The man, whose wife and friends sometimes called him Mary, turned back to them once and waved. Chapter 11 So where's your new bicycle today? Mr. Hunter asked as we walked to my daddy's station. Can't ride it for two weeks, I replied. Oh, a fortnight is all, he said. Huh? I asked. Same as two weeks. Did you really call Gabriel a plum fool? Pastor asked, smirking. Well, young one, I'm not prone to lying or even stretching the truth. If I recollect, those were my exact words, and now that I think back on it, I should have been more kindly. So all that means you did, Patrick asked. He nodded, yes, and it shames me to admit it. My feelings should have been hurt, but they weren't. I didn't really pay it any mind. It's likely what most people have been thinking anyhow. Our talk turned to weather, and then I asked how he had learned about fixing engines. engines. As if he were searching for just the right answer, he took a while to reply. Oh, picked it up here and there. Was told I have something of mechanical aptitude. Where's here and there, I continued. Oh, round and about, he replied. Right then I realized he was giving me what Mama calls cloudy answers. Answers that don't really tell you anything and keep you in the fog. But that didn't stop me from asking more. I've been wondering something about your name. What might that be? Did folks name you after Meriwether Lewis, the one who led the Lewis and Clark expedition? No, twas my daddy's name and belonged to my granddaddy too, likely given to him by a slave master. Your granddaddy was a slave, I asked? Yes, my daddy was a sharecropper, someone who rented land from the man who owned it and grew and harvested crops. They shared the crops. Oh, I understand, Patrick sprouted. Share croppers. You been living in birdsong long, I asked. Since right before Christmas time, was born and raised in Charleston. My wife took a job at the Baptist Church here, secretary to the pastor and director of the choir. It's her calling in life. Abigail, your only child? So far. 
Mr. Hunter shot me a look that told me he was getting tired of questions, and Pastor must have seen it too, because he said, Don't mind Gabriel asking all them questions, Uncle. He's just been listening to too many detective shows on the radio. That made Mr. Merriweather Hunter laugh. When we got to Daddy's, Mama was outside. Her car door was open, and she was getting ready to climb in when she saw us. Quickly, I began the introductions. Mr. Merriweather Hunter, this is my Mama, Agatha. And Mama, this is Mr. Merriweather Hunter, the man from yesterday who pushed me out of the car's way. The man who saved a plum fool's life is more like it, Patrick told her. According to Daddy, Mama is as soft as a ball of cotton with tender-hearted ways, and her tears, whether a reaction to sadness or joy, come easily. That day was the same. Instantly, water dripped from her eyes, and her arms embraced Mr. Merriweather Hunter. Thank you, thank you, thank you, she said between sobs. I knew from experience that her clasped arms were strong enough to force almost every iota out of a person's lungs. Mr. Hunter squirmed, but Mama only squeezed him tighter. An angel sent from above, she squealed, and that was how they were when Daddy showed up. His face spelled confusion. Seeing Daddy made Mr. Merriweather squirm even more, but he was still firmly in her grip when Daddy said, Agatha? Finally, she re released Mr. Hunter and turned her attention to Daddy. Jake, it's him, the man that saved our Gabriel's life. Thank him and shake his hand. Daddy stuck out his hand and Mr. Hunter found it. Mighty good thing you did for my boy risking your life for his. Thank you kindly, Mr. Merriweather. Is that right? Hunter, Merriweather Hunter, he replied. Thank you kindly, Mr. Hunter. Right thing to do was all. I have a girl of my own. Our young'uns are mighty precious to us all. Mama started up again, her enthusiastic words of gratitude, bringing the attention of everyone within earshot including Lucas, Daddy's station attendant and automobile mechanic. What in tarnation is going on out here, he yelled. Lucas Shaw was skinny with bow legs, had hair that was usually in need of a shampoo and a brushing, and Mama said most of the women in town accused him of not having any cooth, which was the same as saying he didn't have any manners. And if he was determined to maintain his reputation, he always chewed with his mouth open, spit tobacco, and up close reeked like someone, need, someone badly in need of a bath. There was a rumor that he tried three times to enlist after Pearl Harmer got bombed, but for some reason was turned away. And the previous year, his wife had, had up and run off. So now he lived with his older sister, who's a dressmaker, and together they resided in a two-story Victorian house, which was left to them by their mama and daddy. However, cooth or no cooth, there were two things everyone agreed on. Lucas Shaw was an expert mechanic, but he was also mean as a raccoon with rabies, and for that reason, I didn't like him much. This is the fellow who saved Gabriel from the accident, Daddy informed him. Yeah, well, from what I heard, it would have been a bye-bye time for you, Gabriel. That roadmaster would have mowed you down, same as a speeding train. He cracked a snide grin, showing crooked tobacco-stained brown teeth. Mama placed both hands on my shoulder protectively and cried out, Lucas Shaw, don't you have a speck of kindness in you? Sorry, Mrs. Haberlin. Been told I need a muzzle. Nice of you to admit it, Mama replied. I barged in. Well, can he have the job, Daddy? He, he knows about fixing cars. All about fixing cars who, Lucas asked. 
I looked toward Mr. Hunter. Him. Lucas cut his eyes at Merriweather and sneered at him while fidgeting with the wrench he was holding. Then he spit a spoonful of tobacco juice right on Merriweather's shoes. I knew that there were people in Birdsong who were against colored people just because they're colored, but I was shocked to witness this just the same. More than your hands are filthy, Lucas Shaw, Mama lectured him. Merriweather stared at his shoes and then glared at Lucas. Ain't nobody taught you not to stare at no white man in the eyes, boy? Lucas asked. That's enough, Lucas, Daddy warned. Merriweather's hands were at his side, side, but I saw him ball the right one into a fist. Lucas displayed the wrench for all to see. Mama's face was dressed in worry, and I started wishing I'd never brought Merriweather here. Y'all about to fight? Patrick asked. Right then, a customer drove into the gas station and stopped at the pump. Daddy tapped Lucas on the shoulder and told him to get back to work. Lucas hesitated. Now, Daddy ordered, letting him know who was boss. Lucas spit once more, but this, this time nowhere near Merriweather, and headed back to work. Embarrassment crawled into Mama's eyes. She looked at Merriweather and said, That man's mouth and mind are full of ignorance. That what you call him, Mr. Hunter asked, a man? I faced my daddy. Can he have the job? Sorry, Daddy said. I'm thinking maybe it's not the best idea now. I'd always been proud to be Jake Haverland's son, but right then my feelings began boxing with each other. Why not? Just because he's colored? You're always claiming it isn't fair the way colored people get treated. Besides, he saved my life. That's worth something, isn't it? I could work on cars and clean up around here after hours, sir. Do anything that needs, needs doing. Have a wife and a girl at home. Been out of regular work for a long spell. Trying my best to stay off relief and get back on my feet, Merriweather said. Daddy hesitated the way he tends to when he's trying to make certain that he's making the right decision and then finally replied, Seems my son is my conscience, he told Merriweather. I suppose as long as you and Lucas don't cross paths, it might work itself out. Mama squeezed his hand. It took only minutes more. It only took a few more moments for him to decide that Merriweather would start the following afternoon. No need to worry about pumping gas. Got a high school boy who comes in after school for that. Name's Matthew. Nice young fella. He closes up around nine. Merriweather grinned. You won't be sorry, Mr. Haverland. Daddy shook Merriweather's hand and said, Call me Jake. Just promise me one thing. What's that? Should you and Lucas happen to cross paths and he becomes, he searched for a word and found it, hostile, promise me that you'll just walk away. Can't know if it's true or not, but there's a rumor he's got friends in certain organization. The KKK, Merriweather asked, but it was more than an answer than a question. Patrick finally chimed in. The KKK, they wear white hoods so nobody can't see their faces. I saw him once when I was nine and we was driving round Batesburg. There were about 10 of them riding horses and my mama got scared because she claims they hate Catholics. Never seen KKK and Birdsong though. Still, mama warns us to keep our medals hidden under our shirts. Patrick pulled out his medal and presented it briefly then tucked it away. As if to offer comfort, mama patted Patrick on the shoulder. So. Merriweather told Patrick, we're alike, you and I. Patrick scrunched up his face and said, but you're colored and I'm white, uncle, so we can't be. 
I had to laugh. Patrick is one of the people who sometimes need to have things spelled out for them. And that's what I did. He means that the clam doesn't like coloreds or Catholic. And that means y'all have something in common. Patrick took a few seconds to understand what he had just been told. Slowly, a smile appeared. Oh. Then the attention returned to Meriwether, and Daddy said, I'd hate to have you or your family harmed. Yes, Mama said. Long as you stay out of each other's way, Mr. Hunter, I'm sure there won't be any problems. Right, Jake? Before Daddy could answer, I asked, How come people do stuff like Lucas just did? Meriwether answered for him, Blindness. But Lucas ain't blind. He can see just as good as all of us, Patrick said. All kind of ways to be blind, he said softly. All kind of ways. I was about to ask him what he meant, but as soon as I opened my mouth, Lucas slithered by, causing my mama to put a finger to her lips. I knew my tongue had to be still. And for a while, except for my thoughts, it was quiet. After Lucas retreated to the garage and the sounds that followed, told us he was back to work, Meriwether offered more thanks and headed home. Daddy rushed off, eager to make a deal with the man who was examining ten or so automobiles on the lot, and Patrick and I climbed into Mom's car. Terror by night is playing. Would y'all like to go to the matinee with me? Sherlock Holmes? Hot diggity, yes, I replied. You kidding? I've been waiting all week to see it, Patrick said, but I need to ask my mama. Mama made a left turn, and in no time we pulled up to the curb in front of Patrick's house. Patrick sprinted inside, and soon his mama, Teresa Kelly, appeared on the porch, her stomach big with a child that she was expecting any time, waving a dish rag, grinning. And in a flash, Patrick returned and slid into the back seat. Music from the radio filled up the car as we drove, and Mama sang along with Perry Como. As we coasted along Main Street, I thought about Lucas spitting on Meriwether, and whether he really had friends in the KKK, and wondered what other ugly things might be lurking near the pretty town of Birdsong, USA. Chapter 12. There are some things that should never happen when you're 12 and you're standing in a movie line alongside your mama, but like it or not, they happen just the same. I heard her voice behind me and swiveled around. Hi, Mrs. Haverlin and Gabriel, Rosie Riley said. Patrick poked his head out from behind me. Oh, and Patrick. Beside her stood her best friend, Emma Kane, who suffers from what Patrick and I call the triple S disease. Snooty, self-worshipping, and selfish. Well, hi there, Rosie and Emma, Mama said in her cheerful way. Patrick offered them a halfway wave. Rosie and Emma were there by themselves, and me being with Mama made me feel like I was still a baby. Right then, I wanted to go poof and disappear. Hi, Rosie, I stammered, and Emma. Hiya, Emma said. You seem all better from yesterday, Rosie commented. My face got warm, and I could feel it turn red. I am, thanks. The line began to move, and Mama declared, Thank the Lord. This heat has got it in its mind to do me harm. It's true, Mrs. Haberlin. People can die from being too hot. It's called hyperthermia, Rosie had said seriously. Mama winked at her. I see your daddy's profession is rubbing off on you. Yes, ma'am, it is, Rosie replied confidently. Her hair swept up and held in place by a tortoiseshell comb like the one I bought for my mama, 
Christmas before last. I tried with all my might to stop admiring Rosie, but I was unsuccessful until Emma blew a huge bubble distracting me. Finally, we were at the ticket counter. One adult and two children, Mama told the man at the booth. I heard Emma giggle. Bye-bye, little boys, she said sarcastically. So long, Rosie said. See ya, I replied. But don't let them sit near us, I hope. Thankfully, they didn't. After a while, Porky Pig and Daffy Duck had my attention. And by the time Basil Rathbone appeared on the screen, Rosie Riley had slipped out of my mind. Well, mostly. <laughs>